Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. The following podcast is an exclusive presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Well, hey, everyone. This is Ryan J. Pelton from the Prolific Writer Podcast. And before we start the show, our show today is brought to you by a new book called The Courier, written by L.E. Doggett. Meet Carrie Stronggear, a very young member of the cadre of couriers. She thinks she has what it takes to be one. After all, her dad trained her to fight in the use of weapons to know when to run. Kara knows how to operate most steam boilers, how to fly airships. But when someone wants something she has and is willing to kill for it, she finds she isn't as ready as she thinks. From gun battles to hurricanes to fighting guard dogs to running on the torn up streets of a strange city to a dogfight over a desert, she finds it hard to keep ahead of the man who wants something she has. Kara has friends that are willing to help even as she doesn't understand why. She needs to find her own heart even as she tries to protect a tiny object that could start a new world war with invincible weapons. She has had hard decisions to make while at the same time she has to grow up if she lives long enough to do either. The Courier is written by L.E. Doggett, the author of Tommy Tuckerknocker, Shadow Warrior, available in print and digital at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, online, iTunes, Kobo, and other sites. And here's some intro music. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well. So you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Well, hello, hello, hello. This is your Prolific Writer Podcast host, Ryan J. Pelton. This is my podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping you write fast, write often, and write well in no particular order. It's so good to be back with you. Episode number 62 is coming at you. And today I'm privileged to have Joanna Penn on the show. And Joanna and I are going to talk about being healthy writers. She wrote a book with the same title, Healthy Writers. And I'll put that in the show notes. And she was 
nice enough to come back on the show. She had been on the show one other time. Go listen to that episode. Uh, I think it's in the forties or somewhere. You have to look it up. I'm too lazy to look it up, but, uh, Joanna Pan has come on the show. If you don't know Joanna, she's a, a prolific fiction writer and prolific nonfiction, best-selling author, speaker, writer, all kinds of cool stuff. She's a, a, a huge blessing to the writing indie community. And so I'm so thankful to have Joanna on the show. And I wanted to have her on the show because, uh, we had talked months ago about this book she was writing called The Healthy Writer, and it, it's such a neglected theme, uh, I think, for writers, is that we, we don't think much about our own health. But the reality is that if you write a lot, we're going to have back situations and we type at keyboards and arms and elbows and all kinds of eyesight issues and even talking about the mental health and taking care of ourselves is that that writing and creative uh, fields can be uh, just, you know, it can be draining on us physically. And so we want to be healthy people, not just writers. And so we have a, a very candid conversation and the things we talk about are, are serious and important. Um, you know, how we set up our workspace, you know, going for walks, being careful what we eat, keep, keeping tabs on those kinds of things. And, and I think that's a really important um, conversation to have. And so thanks uh, to Joanna Penn to come on the show and talk about that. And so uh, this was a really, really fun interview. Now, before we get to the, the interview, a uh, couple things in the works. I am in the, the process of finishing up a, a children's book uh, called Secret of the Ambassadors that I wrote with my son, Noah. It's a kind of an eight to 12 year old uh, age range uh, chapter book. And so hopefully it will come out great. That should be ready. Um, hopefully in the next couple months, depending on when you, you hear this. Um, but I'll, I'll let you know when that's out. I also have a second book in the series in that, uh, same, uh, family, the Rayburn Chronicles, uh, Ricky Rayburn is the main character and the Rayburn Chronicles is family. They're kind of adventurer, Indiana Jones types, and it's, it's a fun story and, and hopefully you'll enjoy it. So I've been working on that, uh, writing the articles, doing the blogs, writing the books, got other things in the work. I'll talk about some other time. Um, but yeah, a lot going on, trying to, trying to be prolific, trying to practice what we preach. And, um, and again, I'm so thankful Joanna Penn could come on the show and talk about being healthy. And, uh, here's the interview without further ado, Joanna Penn. Welcome, everyone, to The Prolific Writers, your host, Ryan J. Pelton, and I am pleased today to have Joanna Penn on the show, and Joanna is a best-selling fiction and nonfiction author from the UK, and she is actually a second-time guest, and this is only, I think, the second time we've even had a second-time guest, so uh, I don't know why she'd want to come back uh, to go through this again, but she was gracious enough to, to do that. You should actually go listen to her podcast. It's a lot better than mine. Uh, but uh, so glad to have you on jo Joanna. And we want to talk a little bit about the healthy writer today. So say hello. Hi, everyone. And thanks for having me on the show, Ryan. It's great to be back. I'm always happy to talk about healthy writer things for sure. Yes. And you the last time you're on, if people go back and dig through the archives, they'll find our, our interview. And you mentioned uh, this book, The Healthy Writer. And uh, and we fulfilled our promises. I said, hey, I want to have you have you back on. You can talk about it. And, uh, you know, and I would have said 10 years ago that this conversation about uh, The Healthy Writer would have been irrelevant to me. Um, but as I get closer to 40, I'm about a year away. Uh, th this conversation is becoming more real. And so uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about 
uh, th- this book that you wrote a couple months back and, uh, and really why you wrote this book about being healthy writers and, and why it matters. Yeah, well, it's interesting because uh, I'm a few years older than you, so I'm 43. And I agree with you that there's a point in your life where you can pretty much get away with anything. I mean, you can eat stuff and like not exercise and you're still fine you can still get up in the morning you know you might you don't even get a hangover you just carry on working and then there's a point in your life when you realize <laughs> that your your body needs some maintenance but I think also what's happened in certainly in the indie author community is the focus on writing more I mean this you know you've got the prolific podcast mm-hmm. I mean and you've had Michael Anderley on here I mean there is a model now in the indie author community which is about high productivity high prolific output and that if you again if you if you go back 10 years when you know when the Kindle uh, was just starting out that type of thing I don't think that type of model was around either there was like the pulp writing model ages ago um, back in the 50s I guess it was um, Dean Wesley Smith always talks about that but this this fast production model actually does have some effects on health. So I think there's a combination of of the time we're at in the indie author space. And also the way we are, I guess, in society with office-based work in general, and having been an office worker for 13 years and then leaving my office job to work in an office (laughs) as a writer, I mean, it's basically a, uh, you know, where we focus so much on our brains all the time. And I think writers are in danger of thinking that we're just a brain that and forgetting about the body that carries them around. So for me, it was, okay, I need to look at my physical body. I need to look after it. And to be a healthy writer for the long term, that's that's the subtitle of the, the book is, you know, really looking at your long term creativity, your long term happiness and health and feeling good in your body uh, for, for the long term, which is why we we wrote the book, basically. Well, as I read the book, I you know, you hinted on it is I think this book, even though it's for writers specifically, uh, really anyone that works, you know, kind of office job, white collar, we call them white collar jobs or knowledge-based jobs, it is becoming more of a reality. We're not farmers. We're not factory workers. We're not going outside to, to do our work for, I mean, a lot of blue collar workers do, of course. Um, but yeah, it's becoming more of a, I mean, there's so many articles, so many books being written about, you know, stand up desks and things like that. We'll get into some of that, but, uh, but no, I think this is a very relevant conversation. Like you said, it's a cultural moment and it's not just, you know, Hey writers, you know, think about your back and your eyes and your hands and your, you know, if you're going to crank out books, but I think there's a bigger conversation going on. And, and I think it's actually a great time to think about these things because there are tools and there are things that we can even you know, implement into our offices that help with, uh, you know, aches and pains and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I, I wanted to kind of kick off our conversation. One of the things I read in your book was you took a survey of about 1100 authors, uh, in the writing community, and you wanted to kind of know what their, their issues were and their struggles were as far as being healthy writers. And I mean, there's a, there's a vast, uh, subject matter there, but what were some of the, the surprises, uh, that, when you got this data back, what were some things that you you and your co-author were surprised about from what you heard through these surveys? Well, I think, well, so, so the survey methodology itself was interesting. And my husband is a statistician or used to be. So I kind of understood that the way we phrased the, the survey would be important. And so what we did, we wanted, we did want to know what was the most dominant issue. So we did prompt people with a list and then had a, is there anything else? So, for example, I absolutely expected RSI because I've suffered from it myself or repetitive strain injury in my hands, wrists, elbows. Mm -hmm. That's really 
common. Back pain, neck pain, uh, very common. Weight gain, you know, I think we all suffer a bit from that. Amen. But yeah, probably (laughs) what was surprising to me, I think, the most was uh, the number of people reporting loneliness Hmm. and isolation. So interestingly enough, The Healthy Writer is not just about a physical body, it's about your mindset and also about, you know, your your mental health. Um, and we, we even have a chapter uh, written by a friend of mine, Dan, who's bipolar, talking about depression and, you know, how writers with depression uh, can manage the ups and downs because they can't just sit down and write, you know, it's not just like, you know, get up and do it, guys, you know, when you feel like that. So it was very interesting, but circling back to loneliness and isolation, because I think I, I started writing back in 2006 and I think I'd forgotten what it's like at the beginning when if you just start writing, you often don't have any friends who are writers. Mm-hmm. And back when I started, social media wasn't around. Facebook, you know, had just got started. So I found, you know, I didn't really have any friends locally and, and then found some online. And so what was interesting is we added this whole section to the book on finding your community. Now, it would be interesting if people listening, if anyone feels that, well, obviously people feel that way because the survey showed that they did. But I... So I share in the book, you know, how to how to start friend dating, which is something I've been through a number of times, which is basically when um, and I found most of my real life friends now on Twitter because you can kind of identify, um, you know, these are not people you're going to have sex with. They are people you are going to be friends with and who can really understand um, the writer's journey. And it's so interesting because so often we think that our our loved ones, you know, our spouse or our partner or our children or our siblings or our parents will be the people who support us, but they will not be. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) Our our family, you know, our family and our friends in real life are often not the people who understand our journey. Mm -hmm. So you have to find other people and often you do find them online. And then uh, by friend dating, I mean, kind of invite people out for coffee or meet them at conferences or something like that. So that loneliness and isolation definitely was common. Um, but of course, in the book, what we do is any uh, any problem that we found, we then wrote a chapter to kind of say how to fix it, uh, because I'm always a positive person in that in that way. No, I think what you're you're tapping into is is something I think a lot of writers, especially we get a lot of beginning writers listening to the show and you, you probably do on your show, too. But uh, people don't realize you, your wife, your husband, your partner, your you know, your your closest friends. A lot of times they don't they really don't to say it nicely, don't give a rip about your books and about your ideas. And and that's kind of a wake up call. You just assume, oh, well, you know, you labored over this thing and everyone's going to want to read it. And then go, oh, that's nice. And I mean, my wife, you know, reads about two chapters of every book I write and puts it away and I'll get to that. You know, I mean, she loves me. I don't, that's not in question, but, uh, but, but, you know, that can, that can weigh on you because then you start to say, well, I got to find some kind of support system and (laughs) maybe it's not, maybe it's outside my home. Maybe it's on Twitter. Maybe it's somewhere else, you know, writing conferences, you know, uh, communities are really, really helpful for that. But, but I think you're right. It's not just a, we're not talking about just physical pain, uh, you know, repetitive motion things. We're also talking about, you know, mental strain and, and, you know, depression and anxiety, which we'll get into a little bit more. Now, before we get into all the dark stuff and the ways in which we're all going to probably die too young because we're writers, uh, you open the book. I love the way you open the book because you talk about uh, the seven reasons writing is good for you. Um, and, and these are a lot of things I preach on this show. Um, and I want to just give a couple of those um, and, and just kind of from your own perspective, you know, you talked about writing being therapy 
um, you know, a process for understanding life, you know, helping others, community. You mentioned that already. But, but talk about those positive things. I don't think a lot of people talk about this enough that actually in writing, the actual craft of writing is actually good for you in many ways. So, so say a couple things about that. Yeah, sure. Well, I think those of us who I think everyone has a sort of default or preferential way that they process the world and also how they create. So my dad, for example, is a visual a visual artist and he creates by making visual stuff. Whereas I'm a writer, you're a writer, the listeners are writers. We we have defaulted in some way. I don't know whether it's genetic, but we we have to write. And actually, it's so interesting because the only way that I figure out what I think is by writing. And I'm a you know chronic journaler. I've been journaling, you know, since I was sort of 15. It's how I figure out what I want in my life. It's how I achieve my goals. It's how I communicate with people. Um, so in all those ways, if we it's so positive because it's the way we're kind of designed. And I think writing type people become sort of depressed if they don't write. So that would be the first positive thing is you are actively expressing yourself. And in terms of therapy, um, I talk about, and I talk a lot of personal stuff in this book, (laughs) as you know, you've read it, Um, but it's, you know, I got divorced um, when I was 28 and I wrote probably four books of, of writing, journaling in the, couple of months after my husband my first husband left me I'm very happily married for the second time by the way but when when that happened by writing and I wasn't I didn't go to a therapist which is you know an absolutely fine if people do but for me it was writing out my pain and my rage and self-destructive stuff and by the end of that process I was healed and I I'm you know was then able to meet the man of my dreams and be happy and but it's so interesting because by writing you can heal yourself so we all you know, we all have problems in life. And by writing, you can actually work through these issues and come out on, on the positive side. Um, so that's that's really important. Uh, Dr. Ewan Lawson, my co-writer, and this is a really important point, is that I would not have written this book without a medical doctor as my co-writer. Um, and so there's a lot of evidence in the book from, and the, uh, you know, the bibliography contains all of the studies. Um, but he, he found studies that show that writing actually is proven to make you more optimistic, which is amazing, and also boost your physical health. So, you know, just amazing. And to, to think about being grateful for what we, you know, what we have. And um, and then I guess the, the last one for me is the 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 meeting the goals. I, you know, I briefly mentioned that, but it's it's relevant right now because I'm coming up for my 10th anniversary on the Creative Pen uh, this year. So in 2018, I will hit my 10th anniversary of the website. Um, and this is a huge deal for me. And I've I wrote down my goals for this business 10 years ago, and now I have achieved them. I pretty much have achieved everything I wrote down back then. And by writing down what you want, what you want to achieve, it might be physically, it might be in your family, it might be financially, emotionally, creatively, whatever you want, those, you know, it tunes your brain into looking for that. So uh, it's not just law of attraction, it's also the action in attraction, as they say. Um, But really important to think, you know, if you think by writing, then think about the future and, and you can change your life. Mm-hmm. 
No, they, these are really good thoughts. I know we have a uh, mutual friends, uh, Jay Thorne and, you know, Jay talks about that too, writing as therapy and just some dark times in his life and how that's become such an outlet for him. And, and, and I think you're right. It's, it's processing the world, processing yourself, you know, goal setting, uh, there's something about when we don't bottle things up and we, you know, a lot of our own self is on the page, even if we write fiction, um, mm. you know, as much as we say it's a character, but a lot of our, you know, hopes, aspirations are in there and, you know, dealing with pains and things. And, and I think that's, you know, of anything, that's why I want to get people into writing. It's, it's a lot of the reason I started this podcast was to expose great authors, you know, like yourself and, and give people tips and wisdom, but also just get people writing. Cause I think, you know, mm -hmm. whether they sell a thing or not, uh, it's good for your soul. It's good for your life. It's, it's good for you to process the world. You know, I think, um, you know, they've done studies too that, about empathy and how actually, um, reading and writing can, can create more empathy and, you know, you deal with anger, you know, you see in the world and around us, you know, all the things going on. And sometimes it's a way of processing it rather than getting angry and lashing out, we can actually write and we can kind of get it out of our system, if you will. Um, yeah. And I think, sorry, I think it's important to note there that the type of writing we're talking about, it doesn't have to be writing for publication. Mm -hmm. Um, I think like I mentioned journaling, most of what I have written, well, I'd say 99% of what I've written in my journals has not been published and will never be published. Right. I've used excerpts in some of my nonfiction books and indeed in this book, but um, it's not meant to be shared. And it's interesting because a friend of mine, Orna Ross, came on my show in December and talked about free writing, which is basically timed writing where you just write usually by hand or however you want for a timed, uh, you know, a certain amount of time. And, and it's more to clear out your brain. And what's so funny is my husband, uh, who has not been a writer, he edited that video. He does my video editing and he started free writing and he said it's changed his life. And of course I've been on at him for years to write. And it was doing this video that really transformed it. And now we're what four months after that, he's been writing almost every day. And he said it's been the most incredible thing. Now, none of that, again, none of that will be published. It's not to be published. It's to sort out life. Right. Um, so I would just encourage people, you know, th there's there's two sides. As you say, there's our characters and Jay, obviously, he and I have co-written a number of books together and he's, you know, fantastic. And when we talk about, you know, horror writers are some of the most mentally well people around mm -hmm. because they put all their stuff yeah. on the page and there's nothing left in their head. And, or, well, there is left in their head, but you know what I mean. <laughs> and, and it's, um, so just if you're listening and you haven't, been able to write write your book yet that's fine but maybe try just writing in what is in your head whatever it's about nobody needs to see it and then you can look at more structured writing later on mm -hmm. no that's great yeah I, I did you, i don't know if i missed this i, I apologize but uh you know you're talking about free writing the the way of the artist i don't know if you've heard of that um it's a, a woman who wrote this book years and years the, ago the artist way artist the way artist. yes yes yeah. or Julia that. Cameron, yeah. yes yes about the idea of free writing and that's actually yeah. I've, I've been hearing that more and more of people that you know they're not they're they're saying hey i'm not i don't even want to write i just i mean as far as publication it's it's more of a daily habit for a few minutes just kind of mm -hmm. pouring out whatever's in your heart whatever's in your head and uh you know i think it's a beautiful thing um, so as we, we talk about, you know, we just talked about some of the positive things, you know, obviously you wrote the book because there are, there is issues obviously mentally and physically as far as keeping ourselves healthy. And, and one of the things you talked about is stress and anxiety. And the reason I wanted to talk about that a little bit is because the way you attack it is not just in a general way. 
Um, and I'm actually going to read a quote because I think this quote is great, which kind of uh, unpacks it for us. Um, but but this is a very common tale. And so if you're listening as a writer, the, the, these feelings are very real and that you will hit them at some point. And you say it this way. You say, when I first started writing, it was therapeutic, like an escape from reality. But now it feels like a burden and I don't know how to get back the good feelings. Um, and, th- and that was a, a woman, actually woman from the survey, uh, Alexa. And that that feeling or that way she describes it is so real. And it's one I've struggled with. You've probably struggled with most writers. It's just that it starts in a really fun, joyful, exciting, therapeutic place. And then it becomes mm. this kind of stress, anxiety, worry. Can you can you d- talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, I think that that's kind of what I was talking about early on. If you are a new writer and you say you've decided you want to quit your job and make a full-time living with your writing, that is a very stressful thing to do. And that is a quite a pervasive thing in the in the space right now. Uh, I was listening to the audiobook of Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, which is fantastic. And she talks about vows she made to her creativity when she was younger and she said I will always support you you don't have to support me you know this was to her creativity to her muse I will always support you um and and so she worked lots of different random jobs in order to support her creativity and didn't expect it to pay and I think there's a it's always been the truth in the in the publishing niche in in the author world that there's this myth of I write one book and then miraculous things happen and I can quit my job and I've made a million and that's not the truth whether however you're published it just it just doesn't happen um you know the lightning strike stuff even someone like uh JK Rowling you know Harry Potter it took she she was rejected for years and years and years eventually someone you know picked it up and it took I think three books before she really took off but the thing is writing is hard work like in one way we're meant to love it and we're meant to just stream magic things onto the page but actually there it is hard work and it's tiring to use your brain and if you go from not writing a lot to trying to force yourself to write sort of four eight more hours per day it's very hard it it, it is something you have to warm up to and even now I don't do that I probably you know I've been full-time for a while but I still the actual writing bit, the first draft or the editing, for me, is like three hours a day. I can't really do more than that or I, I just burn out. So it's really important to think about how you're going to incorporate writing into the type of life you want and the the understanding what what type of person you are, how you're going to pay your bills, how long it will take to build up an income with your writing and really importantly do you really want to be a full-time writer Mm -hmm. so that's really important to think about because some people it just it just doesn't suit some people to say write high volume fiction or non-fiction it might suit them to do different things and all of these things are completely valid Mm -hmm. so when we talk about stress anxiety and burnout it often is related to people setting up a lifestyle that might not suit them or trying to fulfill obligations that they've committed to that perhaps are too early. So if you, you know, if you want to make a six figure income with your writing, it's absolutely possible. But it took me, took me between 2006 when I decided to write to 2015 
So it took me nine years to get to a six-figure income as a writer. And I know some people get there quicker. I know you had a Michael Andley on and people like that. But as someone who is an introvert, as someone who doesn't write really, really fast, that, that worked for me. So I think the important thing is to pay attention to who you are and how you work and what you want and your definition of success. And really, if you feel upset about your writing or demoralized or exhausted or fatigue you know which is more than tiredness then sort you know really look at what you're doing maybe you need to cut out social media maybe you need to say okay I'll just write one book this year maybe you need to get organized and cut out some other things in your life or maybe you just need to have a rest (laughs) Um, you know sometimes that's all you need get off the internet right yeah, you talk about that uh, digital fast or social media fast. I actually uh, just did that for for Lent, and uh, it's actually it was it, it it's been really really life giving. And, and you know, I, there's just some things you believe and some lies. You know, what if I disconnect? And you know, I, I'm trying to do this podcast. I'm trying to write. I'm trying to connect with friends. Like, what if I just disappear? And the mm-hmm. reality is, like, nothing has changed. I mean, as far as connection and communication and you know, maybe the medium change, but, uh, but I think that's important. You, you know, you, you hit on, you know, just knowing yourself. Uh, I had a friend on here, uh, one of our first episodes and he very honestly said I was a, tr- he had a traditional book deal. He had three books. And after the second one, he was so anxious and so stressed because he had to get the book done by a certain deadline that he ended up going indie. He ended up just saying, you know, what? I can't keep doing this. It's just not mm-hmm. good for me. I'm not, I don't write fast enough. It's not good for my family. Um, and he just said, you know, there's a better way I'm going to do. I'm going to build my career slower and, and that's okay. Um, I love your story. You know, you, you obviously, uh, you have your hands in a lot of things, but your all your, your income and your, you know, ways of living is not just in one pot. Um, and Mm -hmm. I think I I imagine I I could be putting words in your mouth, but that probably takes some stress off the other pots. You know, if the, the fiction isn't doing as well as the nonfiction or the speaking or, you know, whatever, but there's a different sources of income. And I think, you know, the realities for, for historically is that most writers, most, most authors had multiple streams of income. Um, you know, whether they're teaching at a college or whether they're doing speaking on the side or whatever, I mean, rarely, you know, you're not, most people aren't Stephen King and getting, you know, million dollar contracts. Um, and so that you had to find income other places and there's nothing wrong with that. I think sometimes people see that as like a weakness or, you know, I'm not a real writer or, you know, having, yeah. having a day job is, is lame and, you know, I'm just haven't mm. made it yet. And I think that's silly. So, um, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. And I mean, it's important to remember, like if people read On Writing by Stephen King, he does talk about when he was working in a laundry, you know, nights in a laundry. Uh, and it's disgusting, the things he, he was like washing at the time. And then he would scribble his words in between right. the shifts and, you know, in his tiny apartment with his wife. And, um, you know, this is a I think I think the other thing in general is this is a long term career to me writing is what we do for the rest of our lives mm-hmm. we don't stop until we die mm-hmm. so let's make sure we don't die any earlier than <laughs> we would like to and what what's so funny with this book the healthy writer so circling back to the sort of um the classic things that you might expect uh what i said to you and dr ewan was okay what we've got to find are the hacks i want to put the hacks in so that we can all hack ourselves and do right. amazing things and just right. be super productive and um 
and what was hilarious is after all of the research we did, we even have a chapter on supplements and substances because I wanted to do nootropics, smart drugs, um, micro dosing like they do in Silicon Valley and all this type of stuff. And it turns out, amusingly, that exercise <laughs> is like the best brain hack. Like if you if you just go for a walk, like a brisk walk and breathe and look at nature mm-hmm. and take a break and then sleep for a full night's sleep mm-hmm. regularly. And uh, if you have love in your life or, you know, an, even a, an, a pet, if you don't have like another person, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you eat food that's good for your body, mm-hmm. then those are the best hacks. And those are the things that will make you a better writer a healthier writer, but also a happier writer. And it was so funny because I really just wanted him to say, oh, yeah, I've just found this thing where if you just take this pill. But it turns out that nature is that pill. (laughs) Yes, it's it's so true. I mean, that you know, I know you like to travel and and see things and look at art and and have experiences with your husband and, and all that. Uh, you know, that's available to us. It's, it, you can walk out your front door and walk around the block and, and, you know, have be re-energized. I know I do that too when I write and I'm stuck and it's just going and breathing in fresh air and kind of putting that aside for a while because you start to feel anxious or, or rushed or tired or, you know, the creativity's not there. Um, yeah, we're, we're always looking for that magic pill, the, the magic writing smoothie, you know, that hasn't been invented yet or whatever it is. Um, but I want to talk about that because, um, as far as diet, well, I have another question related to kind of the more physical stuff, but like the diet, um, you, you talk about drinking and caffeine and food. I, I think that's been something I've, uh, just kind of, it's been a revelation to me is when I, the certain kinds of foods I eat and then when I actually eat them, um, like in the afternoon, it's kind of that afternoon hangover, but I know if I have a heavy lunch or whatever, if I know I have to write in the afternoon, it's just, it's a nightmare. Um, Mm. but talk a little bit, just some of the, the research you, uh, unearth as far as dieting in itself. Like, I mean, cause you do talk about caffeine and drinking and the effects of that. I mean, it's not all bad. You're not saying just give it all up, but, but you know, (laughs) like how much and when and all that, what were some things you kind of learned as far as diet goes? Yeah, well, there's lots of of things in the book about this but I what's so interesting is what's happened to me since writing the book so in the book I have this letter to sugar which I wrote uh, almost a year ago as we're talking and I had that moment where I I basically got this bag of Haribo's which are these sour sweets um you know for kids they're meant to be for kids and like a family pack this was not a small pack and I had (laughs) I had basically just eaten this whole bag of of pure sugar and I just felt horrible and I wrote this letter to sugar about breaking up and it's a very to me it was a very powerful thing for me it was do you know what I love you so much and yet you you're hurting me it's like the abusive (laughs) partner type thing and what's interesting is now I I and then I went off sugar so I I did uh, go off sugar completely and I'm back on occasional sugar now we're just after speaking just after Easter and I definitely had an Easter egg (laughs) but what's so interesting is my taste buds have changed and what's also interesting is the word diet for me has shifted so whereas I used to like many people you know be like oh I've just had a period of eating too much so now I need to go on a diet now I'm thinking more about food and more about movement so instead of diet and exercise it's food and movement Mm -hmm. and even just like we are word people Mm -hmm. we need to use words that make us 
change our minds about things so as soon as you mention the word diet it feels like a punishment Mm -hmm. for people and exercise feels like a punishment you know so purely reframing that as food and movement has helped me so much and I've done quite a lot of uh, work around that and you know sort of mindset work and then in terms of um we all know what the bad stuff is. We all know that. Like, yep. you don't need to be told that <laughs> that having your packet of biscuits in the afternoon is not a right. good thing on the tub of ice right. cream or whatever. But what you, what's more interesting is, is working on why you do these things and changing your perspective on what is good. So I find now what's so fascinating is I do really I would rather have that an apple than a bag of Haribo's because my sugar uh, level has changed so much. And if I have a, like, I love sweet potato. I'm having sweet potato for dinner because I absolutely love it. (laughs) But a sweet potato is much more healthy than like a bag of chips or something, even though they're kind of related. So I think on the diet alcohol coffee caffeine i i've got a gin and tonic here because it's half past six and i just finished a book today (laughs) (laughs) so i actually have a gin and tonic (laughs) uh so i drink um i drink black coffee between you know up until about two o'clock in the day um i don't take drugs uh in any way but possibly if they were legal in britain i would i mean i try try some stuff why not um so i think for me it's about feeling that I am optimized in some way Um, and by that paying attention again it's this paying attention I think is so important and not just doing things mindlessly so when I eat sweet potato I feel good when I eat a bag of Haribo's I feel like crap (laughs) so I think that that would be what I would say and um, as they say moderation in in all things Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's the key. I mean, th- there's nothing profound. I mean, no no one's going, you know, if I just eat chips all day, I'm just going to be healthy and strong. I mean, everyone kind of knows that. Uh, but I, at the same time, I think it's like you're a little bit what you're hinting at is knowing yourself, knowing how mm-hmm. your body does react to certain things. Um, because, you know, for some people, coffee just makes them jittery or makes them whatever. Um, and, you know, just knowing when you, you drink coffee or not, you know, if some people, if they drink it after four, they're going to be up all night. So it's just, you know, that kind of stuff. And like you said, getting good night's sleep, going for walks, um, you know, an apple versus candy is usually going to be a better bet. Um, but, you know, all those things I think is you know, we forget how we're holistic beings. I mean, mind, Mm. body, soul, you know, we're not just, it's not just going to the page writing and going, it doesn't really matter how my body's feeling or my mind is sharp today or not. Um, and, and and I think we realize it does matter. It does matter how much sleep you get and how much energy you have and, and when your, your optimal writing time is, I think that's another key one is just knowing when is it for you where you need to give your best kind of mind space is it you know morning afternoon i mean i think they've even done studies where they say actually morning you know biologically is the best time just because you have more energy oh it's, but, it's interesting you say that there's um there's a really interesting book called why we sleep mm-hmm. uh by a guy matthew someone i can't remember it's, it, i quote him in the book but actually what they found is there's a certain percentage i think it's only 15 20 percent of people but they are genetically night owls oh, really? uh yeah so I'm with you. I'm a morning person, mm-hmm. but pe- there are people who are night owls, mm-hmm. and it, apparently, evolutionarily, it's like so. Someone was always awake uh, in the in the tribe, mm-hmm. so not everyone was out at the same <laughs> <Right>. time. <laughs> I 
that makes sense, right? But I, I do think this is important because this uh, seasonal approach, so this, we, uh, as part of being human, we have these cycles. So we have a daily cycle, like you say, so I'm a morning person, I get up, you know, six, I'm at the cafe at seven, I write till like half past 10, then I go do yoga or go for a walk or something. And now when I'm talking to you in my evening, I don't even try and create in the evening. It's just not my time. So I know that that is my daily pattern. Then you have um, a a kind of uh, potentially a weekly pattern uh, or you should, you kind of should have. This is why I think religion, you know, can be great. Uh, Having a Sabbath or a Shabbat uh, or, you know, a, a day when you meant to rest is actually a really good thing. Uh, and then thinking about seasonal. So we today, as we talk in April, we have had probably the best day we've had in six months. Like the sun has come out mm-hmm. and suddenly everyone is full of energy. And, <laughs> you know, it's like be, feeling this this downtime in the winter is completely normal. And we have to respect the ebbs and right. flows of our energy. And so many times we're like forcing ourselves to do stuff when probably we should just be sleeping more, hibernating, and then taking advantage of that energy boost when the spring comes mm-hmm. to really create. So I think it's it, this paying attention to yourself is, is so important. And also being kind, you know, for those of you with children, those of you who love people, I'm hoping everyone listening loves somebody. <laughs> you know, if you don't say to that person, well, just get on with it just sit down and work you know and that's what we do to ourselves uh and i i I don't know i think you just have to really allow for that seasonal change the 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 circular change the way things shift over time and also life changes you know things happen at different times of your life right right. yeah my wife and i just had a baby eight weeks ago eight, (laughs) eight weeks ago you know and it's yeah so we're in this new season i mean we've had we have three other kids, but you know, it's, it's, you kind of come back to the baby stage and you know, you're, you're more tired, you're more, you know, the rhythms are different. And so, yeah, you have to adjust. I, I love what you said about seasons because I know here, you know, we have daylight savings. And so, you know, part of the year it's dark at five o'clock and it's dreary and you know, you have to be aware of those things. And then it shifts to spring, summer and longer days and the sun's out and it's warmer. And, um, mm. you know, I, my wife always says I'm more melancholy during the winter. You know, when the, I, I grew up in, Lo, you know, Los Angeles, California. And so, uh, you know, the sun's always out. And so when I, I'm living in the Midwest now and the sun's not always out, I'm just like, what's going on here? You know, it's like, I've, I've just still adjusted to the sun and, uh, but knowing yourself, knowing that I kind of do feel a little bit more down, you know, even just seasonally or, you know, there are seasonal depression too. Um, so, uh, as we, we kind of shift into, I, I wanted to, I feel like these are similar questions and maybe you can give some, some really good, you know, tips and things. Cause there's a, the book is just packed. So go and, and get the healthy writer because it's, there's so much in there. We can't even scratch the surface. Um, but I know for me, and maybe this is more selfish, but, um, I get, I've had back pain pretty much since I was 15 mm-hmm. and it's, it's come and go gone. I've gone to physical therapy and other things, but you address back and neck and shoulder pain because those are big things. I mean, if you work in an office, if you're a writer on any level, I mean, these are things you're going to have to address. Um, what, what, what were some things that you, you feel were really helpful kind of engaging that conversation? Because I think a lot of people listening, they can go, yeah, my back is a mess or, or, you know, what Mm. are some, and this, why I was saying this is two layers because you also talk about workspace. So, you know, what are some things maybe in our, in our own workspace, whether at home or an office that could really help with some of these kind of physical back, you know, neck type situations? 
Yeah, well, um, so my my back, I share my back pain story, uh, but it got to a point where I was in hospital having um, uh, scans for spinal tumours, mm. and it, it, it got that bad, and I was waking up at night in with back pain, and the doctor said, that's a red flag for spinal tumours, and they, they are in my family history, so, and I was lying there, and I think, again, this knowing yourself, I had just thought that back pain was just part of what I should accept Mm -hmm. that back pain was normal and I was popping you know painkillers every day um not the level that Americans do (laughs) (laughs) but you know that there's some issues with popping pills and patches and things for pain um but it's it's um I got to that point and I thought, what am I doing? And and of course, I didn't have spinal tumours. That's kind of what was crazy because it ended up that they discharged me to the physio. And I was like, the physio? What the hell? Again, it was this feeling that, oh my goodness, there must be an instant cure. But what's so interesting with back pain is it's a, it, it is a constant, it's something that you have to monitor for the rest of your life. Your spine <laughs> is the thing that holds you up. I mean, it really, it, your spine is the thing. I mean, basically without it, you are dead. So, and what's so interesting is that I started with all the basics. So I had a home ergonomic assessment. Now I had started to work at home. So if you work in a corporate, you know, in a company, they will pay for you, you know, you will get ergonomic assessment. But when you work from home, you might have skipped that step. So if you look up uh, online, you, you can probably get someone to come around your house. So a guy came around, assessed me, and I started by moving to a Swiss ball. So uh, I don't, I haven't had a chair for six years now. Mm. I've had a Swiss ball. And the benefits of the Swiss ball are micro movements because to stay upright on a wobbly ball, you have to keep moving. And the core of my back pain, the problem with my back was not moving it enough. And this is probably true of everyone. When you're in one position for hours on end, your spine is not happy. And again, I'm not a medical doctor. So, you know, obviously people should see their medical professional, blah, blah, blah. Um, But basically, so I moved to the Swiss ball and what I do is backbend over the Swiss ball. Backbends are just amazing. And the putting your arms above your head kind of exercise when you're doing backbends is just fantastic. Uh, I got all the, I got the sideways mouse type of thing I got all the different gadgets you can get the keyboard all of that and in the end I switched to a standing desk so as I talk to you right now I'm standing up um I actually have a topper and I've shared all of this on my site uh pictures of me at my desk and on my ball and everything but basically by sitting and standing and using the Swiss ball when sitting and then I started doing walking and then I started doing yoga Mm -hmm. and all of this sounds like a lot, but again, the it's radically changed my life. I've gone from someone who was literally should have had shares in the <laughs> in GlaxoSmithKline or something, you know, taking painkillers all the time. Every day I would take painkillers because I thought headaches, neck pain, back pain was normal. Um, to somebody who very rarely takes painkillers. Tomorrow I'm going on a 35 kilometer walk um and that to me is you know I'll be tired but it's not that big a deal uh and yoga I do yoga three or four times a week as somebody who disdained yoga for many years uh and have learned ways that my I can keep my spine happy Mm -hmm. so 
I absolutely get if people listening think this is all quite extreme, but when you, it's not acceptable to be in pain. Let's just put it like that. Mm-hmm. You, you need to look at your pain and figure out where is it worth, like what is the worst pain and start there. <laughs> and then what will happen is you will start to, and I call it like a, an onion, like peeling away the, the layers of an onion. So for me, that I had acute pain in my joints, the RSI, and then it was kind of a dull, persistent pain in my spine and my neck and my headaches. And and over time, I've kind of dealt with each of these things, but I have to sustain it. But the other positive thing, because some people will be freaking out now, the other positive thing is to say that this is now my joy. Like, I love this. I love walking. I love yoga. And those things have changed my life but also made me very happy and that's an important point too you're that's why it's movement it's fun it's not exercise for the sake of it sure yeah i remember years ago when i was having back problems uh the physical therapist said you know you have really tight hamstrings and i remember thinking okay i came in for my back you're telling me about my hamstrings and you know what she was telling me was you know, our bodies are connected, you know, so our backs and our spines and our necks and our hamstrings, it was because my hamstrings are so tight, it was causing back pain. And so the, the remedy mm-hmm. was to stretch out my hamstrings and do that constantly. And that's something I have to live with, you know, forever, just because I'm, I'm just made that way. Um, and, you know, ab exercises, back exercises, making your, you know, weight, doing, you know, very light weight lifting, things like that, you know, that builds muscle in your, your, your core, because you're all, it's connected. You know, if your, mm-hmm. if your core is weak, then your back's you're going to be slumped over and it's not going to protect your back and you're going to put more weight on your back and your neck and all that kind of thing. So, so you learn, you just learn all these things, kind of like what you were saying, how we're connected beings, you know, body, mind, soul. It's, it's not just about the one thing, but it's just how we, we are, these integrated humans. And, you know, and then over time, like you said, like dieting too, it's the same thing, you know, eating better. Uh, I'm not supposed to use the word dieting, um, but, you know, <laughs> e- eating better, you realize actually I enjoy the apple over the candy because of the way it makes me feel. And it actually tastes good. You know, the salad actually does Mm -hmm. taste good after a while. And I despise salads, but now I actually enjoy them, you know, whatever it is. Um, and, and it doesn't mean you can't cheat. It doesn't mean you can't have, you know, cheat days or whatever. Um, but, but like you said earlier on, I really love the way you talked about, we're talking about the long game. We're talking about 50 years from now. Um, I know one goal that you have not reached is as many books as Stephen King. I know that's still on the, on the, on the list. So by the time you hang it up, you will be there. Um, but you know, if you're going to get to those 70 to a hundred books or whatever it is, or whatever your goal is, you have to think about these things now, you know, the body and the mind and the soul and the rest and the relationships and all those kinds of things. Um, so that you, you'll be around and still be cranking at the keypad, you know, 50 years, 10, 30, 40, 50 years from now. Um, and, and that's what I love about the book. I mean, if anyone, you know, is, is thinking about picking this thing up, that's what you should be thinking about. I was like, Hey, if I'm in this for the long game, I have to be, you know, beginning to address these things now. And, um, mm. and, and, you know, it's not going to be easy. Like you said, it's going to be painful. It, it, it's not, you know, it's extra work on some things, but you know, it is, I think worth it in the end. Oh yeah. And I think the, uh, like I said, some of the things I do might sound a bit extreme, but it's more like a, uh, uh, mini habits so um there's a book that ewan recommends which is is called mini habits i think it is anyway it's i can't remember what it is but if you look at m- mini habits on on amazon or something and the point is that you start with small things mm-hmm. so for example if you want to cut down your caffeine you start replacing every second coffee with a decaf coffee and you seriously won't notice the difference right or um 
the sugar thing I really had to go hardcore on I had to go detox but walking (laughs) for example yeah I mean it really it was an addiction uh and I I also worked with a psychotherapist with that like Mm. because that really was was bound up with so much um for me um but the the habits like with with if you like the topper I have so you don't have to buy another desk because people are like oh well I'm not going to get a stand-up desk it's so expensive blah 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 there are these toppers you can get so I take mine on and off my desk mm-hmm. uh, I did have a, my Ikea desk broke eventually so I've got this topper and it's not very expensive it's like a wooden thing and it means you can go up and down so you, maybe you just do 10 minutes standing up and then you sit back down again and it's this this small addition of um things that will slowly change what you do mm-hmm. and what you prefer so it's building those habits into your or maybe like um you know now it's spring over there as well as here and it maybe instead of um you know, with your family, you say, okay, well, we're going to have lunch together, but we're going to walk to mm-hmm. a park that's further than the park we normally go to. So you, you, you just do, and then you ha- you're having that community time, that social time, that, that fun time, and you're having the movement mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of just adding things like that into your life. Or maybe in, if you write in a cafe, choose a cafe that's further away from you. And like my, my cafe hack, <laughs> because I run <laughs> in a cafe almost every day is um i sit around the corner from the pastry cabinet so i can't see the pastry cabinet. <laughs> and then on those days when sometimes i just really need a pastry then you know i have one of those tiny portuguese tarts i don't know if you have those yeah. in america yeah you know really tiny and sure. it's really good and you're like okay i've had it and then i drink but i moved to black coffee that's something i did yep. because every time i had milk in my coffee i wanted more sweet things mm-hmm. so there are these little things that you can do right. over time that don't make it feel like punishment and i think that's the key if you make to make long-term change it has to be positive it has right. to be moving toward or, or away from pain so, I mean, that would be my number one challenge for people right. listening. Like pay, like, pay attention to your body right this minute as you're listening to this. Right. What, Where is your pain right now? And that's what you should fix first. Mm-hmm. Right. No, that's good. I, I, you know, I think on the, on the stand-up desk front, I know there's tons of them out there and they can be really expensive. Uh, I got one at Ikea. You just buy the tabletop and you buy four adjustable legs. And I made my own for under a hundred bucks. And so, you know, if you're like, Hey, I just, it's, it's an expense. You know, I think it's something I, you know, I've enjoyed. It, it was a little getting used to, you know, standing up when you're used to sitting all the time. Um, but the nice thing is you can, I can throughout the day, I can stand and sit, you know, and there's times I really need to sit and read or I need to focus or something on something. I can kind of mix it up. Um, and so, you know, don't let, let expenses doesn't have to be, there's so many hacks on the internet of how to do this cheaply. You know, like, uh, Joanna said, you know, small little steps, um, you know, with, with diet, with exercise, with, with whatever. And again, we're, we're thinking about long-term long game, um, you know, a long, healthy, successful career. And, um, so Joanna, thank you so much for coming on the show. And, uh, I want to, before you go, just kind of tell us what, what's up next, what are you working on? And then where can uh, people find you? Oh, sure. Well, um, as I said to you before we got on the on the recording, uh, today I finished How to Write Nonfiction, which is my next nonfiction book, very meta. Um, so I'm really <laughs> pleased with that. That's why I'm having a gin and tonic. Um, because, yeah, I've been wanting to get 
it's funny because you do it backwards. So I, I started out with marketing books and mindset books, and now I'm onto the craft. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I feel like I'm ready to share that now. So yeah, that how to write nonfiction that that will that will be my next nonfiction book. Um, and I've just written a screenplay, so I'm editing a screenplay as well, Map of Shadows. Um, and then yeah, which is fun, uh, fun, and that's important too. It was re- yeah. really really fun. Uh, so. People can find my podcast if you like podcasts, um, the Creative Pen podcast, pen with a double N, uh, on all the usual places, or come over to thecreativepen.com where I have lots of uh, free stuff and, and videos and all kinds of things for you. Uh, yeah, and if you have any questions, um, the Creative Pen on Twitter is probably the best place. Great. Well, Joanna, you're you're such a gift to the writing community. You've been doing this a long time and helping thousands and thousands of writers. And I know that's probably great joy that you get to do this. And uh, and thank you for coming on the show, sharing your wealth and your wisdom. Go get the book, Healthy Writer, and uh, you're going to really enjoy it. I've enjoyed it and I've already gotten things I need to change and add into my life so I can make it to the end. So, um, so thank you, Joanne, and thanks for coming on again. Thanks for having me. Well, there you have it, prolific writer nation, Joanna Penn, Healthy Writers. What a great conversation with her. Thank you so much, Joanna, for coming on the show. Uh, Go check out all her work, her fiction stuff, her nonfiction stuff. Go get The Healthy Writer. If you are a writer, uh, I think you'll enjoy it a ton and get a lot from it and some things that we all need to think about if we want to have long-term careers in writing. So thank you, Joanna. And also, I wanted to say that... uh, All of our Project Entertainment Network shows uh, come to you and are supported also by another sponsor, Subculture Corsets and Clothing. Uh, If you want to find some unusual clothing and shoes and accessories, they offer a wide selection of men's and women's clothing at great prices. Subculture also offers a cool selection of shoes and accessories, steampunk, gothic apparel, retro corsets, so much more. If you go to subculturecorsets.com and if you buy something on their website, uh, put in the prolific writer and you'll get 10% off your first, first purchase. And also if you're in the Jacksonville, Florida area, you can visit their store in the uh, mall there in Jacksonville, uh, Florida. So look up subculture corsets. I'll put it in the note show notes. Thank you. Subculture corsets for being a, a proud sponsor. Also go check out the courier. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, L E Doggett. Tommy Tuckernocker and Shadow Warrior. It's available in print and digital on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. So go check that out. And then lastly, as we close up our show this week, if you could leave a rating or review, that would be really helpful on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud or Google Play or wherever you listen to the show. It really helps us get the show out into the world. So thank you for all, all the ratings and reviews you've already left. Thank you for the kind words and emails and Facebook posts and Twitter stuff. Uh, it's always a, a great blessing to have the feedback. I love doing the show. I love the people I get to interview and hopefully these, these interviews and my talking and rambling will help you get more words on the page. And that's my hope for you. So go get words on the page. Okay. Now ready? Go now, now, no, not now, now. Okay. Now go get some words on the page. This is Ryan J. Pelton, prolific writer. I'll talk to you real, real soon. Every person's story has something to teach us, how others view life, how obstacles are overcome, how joy is felt, how fears are faced, how love is expressed. The Matters of Faith podcast explores individual stories of people's lives and how faith plays a part. It may not be your story, but it may help shape yours. The Matters of Faith podcast with Jay Wilburn is on Project Entertainment Network.
This has been an exclusive presentation of the Project Entertainment Network. 